Hey, welcome back, high school hockey fans. We are back at it again this year. This is This Week in Wisconsin Prep Hockey. I'm Mike Hammett, along with Bill Sr., Bill Jr., Del Scanlon. As you can see, all our beautiful faces on your monitor. Uh, guys, great to see you all again, and uh, season's just getting started. Kind of going to be an interesting year, I think. Um, just a lot of changes in coaching and you know, the state tournament stuff, and it's just going to be a season that's just going to bear watching. Yeah, a lot of teams got an early jump on the season. It seems we have more games played already than we normally do at this time of year. Um, you know, the, a lot, a lot of the, the, the a lot of the the tournaments that start the season um, are the same. Like over in Eau Claire, it was Eau Claire Memorial, Notre Dame uh, Superior, and Wausau West. Um, Notre Dame kind of dominated that tournament. I think they're trying to send a, a message down the highway towards Hudson that, you know, they're going to have a challenge this year. Uh, Notre Dame did really well, um, spanked both teams in that tournament. Uh, there are some other surprises. Other teams have a lot of games in. Uh, Monroe is 3-0 and to start the season. Um, I don't know who saw that coming, but... Uh, uh... Break up the cheesemakers. <laughs> They do have the best team name in the state, though. That is true. Well, Ashwaubenon Ashwab is also Ashwaubenon and Bayport are both uh, three and zero. Oh, that won't last too long. They do play in the same conference, so they'll have to see each other eventually. But um, yeah. On the okay. girls' side, sorry about that, MJ. On the girls' side, uh, we don't no longer have the Alaska Hilltoppers. We've had a name change. They're now the Cooley Region Cyclones. But then, when you start looking at what's been played so far in the Eastern Shore, uh, all lot of non-conference games, you end up with uh, four teams with a three and zero or four and zero record to start off the season, and then you got. Central Wisconsin Storm and Superior both starting out 2 0. The Storm's first two games was their Gobbler Cup up there in Mozanillo right after Thanksgiving. Uh, Bay Area is starting off strong, and so is Fox Cities. So, you know, that Eastern Shore Conference is going to be fun to watch throughout the season to see how that conference beats up on each other to come out of there. Yeah, that's going to be a good conference to watch, Dell. Those uh, those teams, like you said, are going to probably beat up on each other. So, um, you know, long ways to go, though, guys. I mean, you know, teams may start out 2-0, 3-0, but, you know, two weeks from now, things could change big time for them. So, uh, good start for some teams. For some teams, kind of a little bit of a slow start. And, you know, we'll just keep an eye on things this year during the season, and we'll talk about it right here on Wisconsin Prep Hockey. They, they they haven't actually played a game yet, but uh, one uh, team worth noting is uh, Spooner. Spooner is back after a uh, lengthy absence from 
um, having their own team. I think Spooner had been uh, a member in the Northwest Iceman co-op for a number of years um, and different configurations of co-ops before that. But um, it's been, well, since before we moved to the uh, sports engine platform that, that Spooner had their own team. But uh, welcome back, Spooner Rails. We'll have to catch them uh, at some point this season. Um, you know, let them know we're we're paying attention. Are they going to be an independent? They are an independent. Well, you know, I'll keep an eye on them because their second weekend of the month, I'm always headed up to the Chitek area. So that's one reason I'll be headed up there on Dece that way December 10th in that area. But uh, yeah, it's, it should be an interesting season to see how things play out. Which is always the fun part. You sit there and you see everybody start out fast, and then of course you you get uh, on the boys' side. You get some of those players, you know, that are playing hockey now. They have been on a football team that you know went deep into the playoffs and just now starting to get into hockey shape. Oh, and the, uh, yeah, the other thing about uh, I, uh, I probably I should I looked it up before and have forgotten because my mind is old and feeble. Um, but Spooner coming in as a Division Two team uh, means that somebody else got bumped up to Division One that was uh, Division Two last year. Um, I, I think that may have even been Marshfield. Yes. <clears throat> We looked that back up in the in the spring or summer, whenever they told us they were coming back, and yeah, we looked at the WIA's list, and Marshfield had been bumped up. So I guess my mind isn't quite as feeble as I was suspecting. And the other thing to note is that uh, um, Anigo has a new coach. They've already played four games. They have, they have a new coach, which means. I don't get to pick on Matt Borneman anymore. That's good. That, that makes me sad. I mean, I, I suppose I could still pick on him, but since he's not a coach, I have to go out of my way to find reasons to pick on him, which I'll try to do I mean, by next week. The more notable thing there is that Anago actually had the numbers to field the team this season, because that was a pretty open question at the end of the year last year, they were getting pretty thin. Uh, they made a pretty good, pretty good playoff run with a bench of like nine guys total. Well, one thing before we get too deep in on the girls' side, one of the nice surprises for me this year was seeing Medford winning their opening game of the season, and it was one that I was searching out for a scorer. I've actually put a comment out on. Uh, Facebook and found out that our favorite referee had officiated the game and her mom sent me the score of the game. So uh, we were able to at least get the quick score into that one. And sounds like uh, Medford goalie uh, plays for Team's Conference. So I'll kind of be interested to see how many games that they're into this year. Well, should we move on to our players of the week? Burglar, would you like to do the honors for the first week of the season? 
Yeah, usually we don't even have that many games in by the time we do this first one. But uh, like we said earlier, they got a, a good start. and We've got a couple of teams that are, you know, played four games already. So we do have on the boys' side our Radisson Madison uh, players of the week on the boys' side from Ashwabanon, uh, a goaltender, Lincoln Simons, started the season with three games and three shutouts. Uh, he had 16 saves in a 4 to nothing win over Sheboygan, 18 saves in a 4 to nothing win over uh, Whitefish Bay, Nicolay Shorewood. And uh, they pulled him after two periods with, uh, he already had nine saves in the first two periods and a 9 nothing win over Oshkosh, and they, they put his backup in. So that's, uh, what, 34, 43 saves, uh, 43 shots, 43 saves for Lincoln Simons of Ashwabanon, uh, one of the reasons that Ashwabanon started the season 3-0. and And uh, kind of on a similar note, Ella Skaborski, goaltender of Fox Cities, started the season with three shutouts also. Uh, 11 saves on Friday in an 8-0 win over the Northern Edge. Uh, only four saves in an 8-0 win over the Icebergs. But then 31 saves in a one to nothing win over the Warbirds. Um, that one, uh, the Fox Cities was actually outshot 31 to 20 something in that one, but got the only goal. Uh, three shutouts, three games for Ellis Kaborski, our Radisson Madison Girls Player of the Week. Yeah, last year, uh, Boys Player of the Week, Lincoln Simons. Was 18 and 5 with a 9.33 save percentage and 1.56 goals against average, seven shutouts. Uh, that's <clears throat> averaging about 30 saves per game. So that's pretty good work. And Skaborski last year was 18 and 3 with a 9.20 save percentage and 1.43 goals against average. Again, uh, seven shutouts. Uh, her shot total was a little lower, probably closer to about 20 per game rather than 30, but still uh, they both came off really good junior seasons. And now as seniors, they're both picking up player of the week, the first week of the year. So both those goalies off to very impressive starts early here in the season as uh first week was very good to them as they uh, posted some shutouts and that, uh, Goals against averages a zero at this point. Well, our top six is, um, is coming up. And uh, Bill Jr., give us the update on uh, the top sixes. As with past seasons, uh, none of us um, has the drive to do a preseason poll. Uh, Trasher kind of always just did that in the past, and none of us wants to. Uh, so we didn't. As we didn't last year or the year before, you know. Um, so the first top six will come out December 12th. Um, by then, um, every team's probably going to have five to six games in um, around thereabouts, and it'll give us a, a better idea of where everybody's going to be. Coaches will have seen more teams. We'll send the email out to the coaches as normal, get all the votes from the coaches and our staff, and we'll have the first one for the podcast on December 12th. So one more show without a top six, and then we'll have the rankings. Now, some teams haven't even played yet. Right. That's so, why, yeah, we usually wait a couple, couple weeks in. 
Um, not mean, as long as the computers wait. The computers wait until almost Christmas. But I mean, you could go ahead. You could have went ahead and done one, but uh, you know, you could have done one off a of paper of you know who's returning players and um, stuff like that. But you know what? I like the idea of going a couple weeks first before uh, put one of those out. Makes us look a little bit more smarter than what we really are. Saying Our things upcoming like more is- smarter definitely helps. <laughs> Our upcoming games of the week, Thursday, Lakeland and Mosinee going to get together. Those two teams split last year, but it was Lakeland who won the big one. Sectional final, it's going to be a rematch. That'll be on Thursday night. We'll be covering that one. And on Saturday, the USM girls will be taking on the Cooley Region Cyclones. And how long will it be until we start just calling them the clones? I'll probably never call him that. I probably won't either. (laughs) I will say now, this is, I believe, the first, you know, we talked about it, you know, I have kids that are old enough to have, you know, activities and stuff now. This will be the first game of the week I explicitly had to to miss. Burglar will be going without me because I have other hockey commitments. I got to go coach might practice thursday night at six o'clock so oh i bet that's fun to watch you uh coaching these kids eh. i mean we generally have six to eight coaches on the ice spread out through six stations with all six of our might teams on the ice so Oof. Um, you, you know, know fought, we fought we, we we pretty strictly follow the uh the usa hockey adm it's it's always funny how these kids just can't wait to get out on the ice, and then when practice is over, they can't wait to get off the ice. I will say that today I got an email that the, the you know the white blue level the the white blue level the lowest level mites that's the coach I'm teaching that's the team I'm coaching mainly six year olds. One of my players has already been stolen up to the white level, which is mainly seven year olds. <laughs> already lost one of my players, but we don't keep score oh, so anyway, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. we, had our, we had our first games this weekend and my my kids tell me we went five and oh but we don't keep score so well hang on a second guys as you can tell i'm being paged here well i see uh kind of looking at what's going on tonight uh we cyclone are playing winona they're leading three nothing in that game, and then as I said earlier, uh, Edgewood is playing, and they were up two nothing in their game so far this evening. But you know, it's kind of nice to be looking forward to seeing some of these teams playing, even in watching the score come across online, where uh, for the teams that do keep score, if the game's going on. What is the deal with the Monday games? Um... I mean, there's only two boys games and one girls game, but like it was a girls thing for a while that there was Monday games, and then a couple of the boys teams started picking it up. And now, pretty consistently throughout the season, we have Monday games, and I gotta say, I don't like it. Well, I, I think part of it's always ice time. Yeah, I can I can tell you that with uh, with uh, Milton, that a lot of that is just ice time. I mean, they have to share the rink with Stoughton. Stoughton has their youth hockey team. So whenever you can get ice, you know, you can get a high school game in for um, Milton, but uh, it's kind of the, kind of the way I'm leaning on that. 
There, there was a short stretch back in the day um, when uh, Anago was still in the, and Pete Susan was the coach of Wausau West, and Anago was still part of the the Wisconsin Valley Conference then. And they they experimented for a season moving their Tuesday conference games to Monday um, because basketball plays on Tuesday and Friday. So they were doing their hockey games on Monday and Thursday. So you don't have like the student body divided between, you know, whether they're going to go to basketball or go to hockey. So they had them on separate nights, but no, no, nobody, one season, nobody liked Monday night hockey. No, you're trying to keep up with what the officiate officials throughout the WIA a little bit more. Do you think sort of number of officials have something to do with it? Well, if you're short on officials, having hockey on more days helps. Um, so it could have something to do with it. If you can't find an official for a Tuesday night because they're all booked up and you move your game to Monday, then the officials are free. Um, that that could be a reason to do it. Um, you know, eventually you might, we might even see games on Wednesdays. I mean, there's one here and there, but. Not many. Well, I remember a couple of years ago when, you know, we had weather situations and they were all scrambling near the end of the season to hurry up and make those games up. We had some Wednesday games. I mean, Wednesday you know, games you, generally only happen that holiday week. Um, yeah. You know, the week between Christmas and New Year's. But that, that year when we had all the weather problems and teams are trying to make them up, I mean, then you got to make a deal with youth hockey one way or another to get that ice. But anyway, since everybody seems to have a take on that and everybody's done with it, let's uh, go to final thoughts and a little bit of a round table here. And I know what, I know what the people who follow this podcast are wondering What's your guys' thoughts on the state tournament moving? Well, I was surprised the place they picked. Um, Smaller venue, much smaller venue, but it's going to make for a full house. I get that. Uh, I guess it's just a wait-and-see approach. You know, honestly, at first, I... I just kind of scratched my head over the whole thing. Well, we've talked about this before. Um, we've said that Lebon's too small at 2000 seats. Um, I think the math bears that out. Uh, if you look at the attendance for the state tournament by session, um, the math bears that out and cap ice is smaller than that yet. Uh, what is it? 1500. I think they said something like that. 2000 somewhere in that neighborhood um you know like we, we we've said for years there's four places in the state that are actually large enough to accommodate the state tournament as we would like to see it accommodated there's the Alina energy center there's uw panther arena there's the coal center and um there's the rush center two of those four places regardless of anything else can't guarantee the ice time 
That's the Cole Center and the Rush Center. Um, the Alliant Energy Center is the place we were trying to leave, and UW Panther Arena is essentially the same as the Alliant Energy Center. It's a little smaller, but it's just as old. Um, so I don't know that that would have made people happy. It's been renovated more recently. Um, obviously, the Admirals are playing there now. It's, it's being used constantly. I don't know what their availability situation is like. So when you're in that position with those four arenas, and one choice is to just keep sticking with doing what you're doing, one choice isn't necessarily any better, and the other two can't guarantee you ice time, you're left with the choice of moving to one of the many local arenas around the state, and that's what they picked. And it seems like, well, they picked one that's still in Madison uh, because, you know, whether they're being honest about it when they say it over the years, the WIA seems to think that Madison is a very important aspect of the state tournament. Um, you know, we've heard both. We, I don't, I haven't heard LeVar say it, but Tom Shafransky said many times that uh, the kids going to Madison was a very important aspect of it for them. Um, I don't think Madison's that important, but that's just me. So I think they're, it's just they're, they're, they're like nobody wanted to go back to the Alliant Energy Center. Um, the coaches didn't like the ice. The fans didn't like the seats. Um, most people didn't like how cavernously empty it was because, I mean, it was what? It's a 12,000-seat arena. That's more than we need. Um, uh, you know, on our best sessions, we're not going to sell 12,000 seats worth of arena. So, I mean, there was a lot not to like about it. Um this seems like a huge swing in the other direction. The atmosphere should be good. Um, like you said, MJ, it should be full. Um, you know, a couple of those sessions, maybe not. But, you know, I, I saw a bunch of people online on the, on the announcement, like, talking about, you know, D2 and girls should play in, you know, somewhere else if they can't fill the seats. That's not the problem. D2 does, does draws better than D1 does most of the time. Um, because... Like we saw Rice Lake down there. They brought the whole damn town. You know, everybody from Monaco was there when Lakeland made it. You know, they brought the whole town. Um, so D2 draws just fine. D1 draws fine, except that, you know, generally speaking, there's going to be one or two private schools there every year, which don't have a, high, a large student body. So they don't have you know a big fan base. Um, but even then, 2000 seat arena, the atmosphere should be great. Uh, media coverage is going to be interesting. I don't know what that's like <laughs> at Cap Ice. I don't know that I've ever been to Cap Ice. Um, I played I a tournament or two. Renovated it. I played a tournament tournament or two in youth hockey in Madison, but I couldn't tell you which arena they were at. That was literally decades ago, um, and I don't remember which Madison Middleton, whoever was even the host. Uh, so I couldn't tell you if I've ever been there. So, so, so I, I, ask, I have very little expectation of, you know, like, I know it's not Anago's rink, but I don't know. I don't know what I'm walking, what I'm going to be walking into. Like, we're going to have to make a trip down there. Well, I think the thing Tom Shafransky preached about was, I think it was just tradition. I mean, going to statement, you were going to Madison. You were going to go play in the Coliseum. But, you know, as we've seen over the years, that that's just kind of went by the wayside, the way, uh, the facility is and the, you know, the way the ice is, you know, all, all, so many things put into it. Now, my question is with this move to uh, Middleton, 
to cap ice. How long is this uh, deal for? Two years. I believe it said two years on the release. So we may be facing this again in two years. This question will likely be facing it again in two years. Well, hopefully um, they'll be working on it during that time. But right, um, yeah, it, it, it's two years. Um, you, you you never played at at Capitalize. The tournaments you were at down there were at the uh, MIA, MIM, Madison. Cash night. Um, I know because I was there too. Um, but no, I mean. Capitalize. I mean, it. I mean, I didn't like the Alliant Energy Center, but it could fit everybody that wanted to go to the game. Um, if if they sell tickets in sessions, as they have in the past, a two game session. You're you're not going to get everybody who wants to go to a game is not going to be able to get in. I mean, two th- they, they they there are sessions every tournament that have you know forty five hundred people. You know when, especially you know, when when it's you know not 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 the private school ones. Um, the biggest difference between the private schools and the public schools, I, I have to disagree with you. It, it's not so much the student body size. It's the the community aspect of it. Like everybody from Rice Lake was there. Everybody from Lakeland was there. Not just people that had kids on the team or, you know, their students, but the whole, like Bill said, the whole damn town came down because that's, you know, you have the following. Um, Notre Dame doesn't have the following of, you know, all of Green Bay is not going to come there because Notre Dame's there. Um, You know, a good portion of Eau Claire will come down, you know, when, when the old Abe's are there, you know, stu- you know, a big contingent from Superior comes down. You know, every time they are there, uh, the private schools don't draw that. But I mean, especially you know, if a team hadn't been there in a while, you know, and a local, you know, a, a community, they're going to get a lot of people. And if 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 they're going to sell two game session or Rock County Fury. First time they were there, five <laughs> bands. They, if they had five bands, there wouldn't have been anybody else in in at, at Cap. I, nobody else is even going to be in the arena. Five bands is going to fill up just by themselves, and you know that's it. Um, you're not going to see anything like that again. Not 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 there. It, I don't know. But you but you're right though. I mean the people that are going to want to see their teams, I mean, they may not be able to do it because there may just be people there that are just regular hockey fans and want to see both games and they buy that session ticket. And the, the fan that wants to go and see their kid, you know, their kid play or their brother play or cousin or ever, they just might be out of luck. Yeah. I mean, if, if the tickets are by session, I'm looking at the press release. It says 2611 as far as spectators go. If they're by session, they will be they will run out of tickets for probably four out of the five sessions. Maybe five out of five. Uh, they will run out of tickets. If they're by game, 2611 probably works. Um, I don't know. 
I mean, do they have, does the WIAA and the arena staff have the capability of clearing out the arena, trying to fit four games in one day, clearing out the arena between them all? I mean, there's going to be some time gains in there because there's two sheets of ice. So I assume they're going to warm up on the other sheet like they used to do at the Alliant Energy Center when they had the other sheet next door. They used to warm up on the other ice and then come out to the game on fresh ice and not have to do warm-ups and stuff. But, I mean, there's there's logistical things that need to be answered, but I don't know. Um, I still think that what needs to happen is uh, UW-Stevens Point needs some wealthy benefactor. Like when Penn State joined hockey a few years ago, it's because one of their alumni gave them $60 million. Some UW-Stevens Point graduate needs to give them $30 million to upgrade their hockey program and build a, just a wonderful 7,500-seat arena right in the middle of the state that's open the first weekend of March. Um, one of the other things is going to be interesting at Capital Ice is parking. The parking at Capital Ice is not... You go there for hockey games, for kids' hockey games, and the parking's not great. And you start talking to a state tournament game. I've been there where I've played the sectional championship game. And that sectional championship game, I trying to take photographs. Forget it. I had no place to be to take photographs. And now, it's, granted, it's been remodeled. Um, when I was there before doing it, I actually was up in the mezzanine area trying to take pictures through the glass up there down to the ice because they had no other place to go. But I'll have to get there uh, during the regular season for a team playing there, see what it looks like and see how things are since it's been remodeled. And it's, it's worth noting that, like, you know, we all have concerns with this. Nobody's trying to put on a bad state tournament. You read some of the comments when stories about this kind of stuff get posted. Like, it took, what, 45 minutes before I had to lock the comments on this story on our Facebook page last spring when it announced. Um, nobody's trying to make a bad state tournament. The, the Wisconsin Hockey Coaches Association and the WIAA and the Wisconsin Girls Hockey Coaches Association and the, the, the ownership of, of Cap Ice, they all agreed on this. And to some extent, they all know what they're doing. You know, they all have, you know, a different agenda for what they're trying to accomplish, but they're all, they want to put on a good tournament. They don't want this to just be a horrible experience because that doesn't reflect good on anybody or any of them. They're trying to do right. Um, you know, so, you know, I'm not thrilled with this direction, but it's some, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. We'll see how it goes. If this year is a disaster, um, then I hope, you know, when next year's tournament rolls around, we're not looking at an extension. But, you know, on the other hand, you know, this year might go swimmingly. The WIA might sell single game tickets instead of sessions. The, the crowd sizes might then be manageable. Uh, people will be able to get in and, and see their teams play, and it'll all go great. Uh, maybe a new parking ramp will be erected in time uh, for people to park at the arena. Um, well, the other thing you know, is that um, Magic Women's Hockey has played games at this arena. Um, you know, so they've had you know, NCAA games there. They played against, uh, I want to say, the 
uh, development team there and stuff. So, I mean, they've had big gains in, in that area. Uh, well, I say at 2611, it's, it's got a higher seating capacity than Laban does. Yeah, I mean, no, nobody's nobody's questioning the quality of the ice or the the facilities. Is it is strictly a matter of you know seating capacity. In my in my mind, is I, I I think it's I I think people are going to be turned away. What do you do if all of a sudden you're drawing people? You're getting sellouts. What about the rest of the people? Where how do they watch? Do you put it online? Well, I mean, they've been putting it online, but it's locked behind a paywall and it doesn't always work very well. Yeah. Yeah. It's been online for a while, MJ. All right. Um, it's just going to, like you said, Junior, there's just going to be a lot of, uh, going to be a lot of questions about some things. And, and, you know, and we are going to, we are going to bring in, people behind the scenes that made that decision and have them explain to us how it came about and why and how it's going to work and everybody's going to be happy. Okay. Maybe as soon as next week. You guys seem to have those connections of people who like to come on and visit us. Yeah. I mean, my only, yeah, my only big concerns, like Burglar said, are capacity and my other one is, as far as the, the video broadcast goes, um, where do the cameras go? Because I haven't been to Cap Ice, but you know, I'm looking at the picture that came with the, with the press release, and those seats don't go back far enough for a camera to have a good view of the ice um, for those games that are broadcast on the statewide TV network, the championship games, and then the streamed games the rest of the time. Like, I don't know where, where the cameras go. Um, there's going to be a lot of glass in those shots. It, the, I think they're just going to use the live barn feed. <laughs> <laughs> that could be. Hey, you know, you know the one thing that is a positive about this? You will not be paying or you shouldn't be paying a parking fee at Cap Ice. I don't know if that'll change or not, but you know, every time you go to the Coliseum, what, six, seven bucks to go and park? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of questions that remain unanswered that'll get, you know, some of them might not even be sorted out yet. Okay. Well, guys, anything else you want to touch on? Silence is deafening. Ready to close it out, boys, and call it a night? Yes, sir. Okay. For uh, Junior, Bill Sr., Delmar, I'm Mike Hammett. Next week, we'll try to do better. Join us next week for This Week in Wisconsin Prep Hockey.